Good morning. My name is Heidi Polly, and uh, just a little plug for the Shewitt Group. I'm in the Shewitt Group Sundays. <laughs> I'm going to be reading to you today out of Hebrews. So if you would all turn with me to Hebrews, uh, it'll be chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Would you pray with me? Father, we uh, praise you. Um, Lord, you are uh, wonderful. You are glorious. Um, you are great and greatly to be praised. You are worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And God, we thank you that um, this is your church. Um, this is the, the local expression of your greater church that expands the globe over all time. And I thank you, God, that, that you've put us together in this local church to, um, as a result of knowing you. And Lord, we're, we're here to uh, grow in the knowledge of you so that, Lord, we can go out and um, honor and glorify you by proclaiming you and sharing you. And God, I'm, I'm in just as much need of your grace and your strength uh, right now as I was uh, two hours ago. And I just ask, God, that I would stand behind your word. I pray, Lord, that um, your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would take uh, effect uh, in each of our lives, that we would, um, we would leave here today more resolved in understanding of your love and your mercy and your grace towards us, and that would cause just a deep resolve to want to um, live our lives for you. So we're grateful that you are our loving Father, and uh, we are your unworthy children, and we give you all the glory. And God's people said, amen. Good morning. So if, if one thing I noticed about this group is that we love to eat. That's, we, we love to eat. Most of our groups uh, are surrounded around, it's around food, which, which, is, which is awesome. We are, we're just doing a, a quick uh, two-Sunday sermon series called Knowing, Growing, and Going Together. And the emphasis is on, is on together, really, is um, because we're, we're designed to know God and to grow in the knowledge of God um, and to go and make disciples. Uh, but I think what a lot of uh, people in this country anyways miss is that we're to do it together. And um, as I was just thinking about this, my, my mind went to marriage. Uh, I'm, I'm a man that's been married a long time. I've, uh, as a pastor, I've done uh, a fair amount of weddings, and I've encountered a lot of people that are either married, have been married, or want to be married. 
And that, that pretty much gets most people. And most marriages that I've been associated with over the years are community events. Some of you were married um, in Vegas by uh, an Elvis impersonator, but most of you had um, a crowd of witnesses, a cloud of witnesses around you that were there to celebrate and witness this union. But after the initial I do, many of the marriages that I've seen, actually a couple that I've done, one, Nancy and I got a Mayday call yesterday of somebody that we married two years ago, actually at our kitchen table. It's the first marriage I've ever done at our kitchen table. And, um, and in hindsight, I wish I wouldn't have done it, quite honestly. I wish I wouldn't have done it. By the way that they are uh, behaving in their marriage, um, I wish... I had not done it, but I've. But but God has brought them together. Uh, they both profess Christ, and um, and I trust that that um, that they're going to work it out. Um, many marriages don't flourish and grow. Worse yet, uh, many marriages fail. Even amongst Christians, that the divorce rate is around thirty or forty percent amongst Christians. There can be a sense when we get married that I've got the girl or I've got the guy, now let's just get on with life. But in marriage where there's, where there's no intentionality towards knowing and understanding your spouse for the sake of loving them, the relationship can grow cold. I've seen many marriages stagnate and even fall apart because of a lack of intentionality and a lack of intimacy. I've seen way too many couples over the years who get married, enter into the marriage covenant relationship with one another, and they act like they, they, the, the deal's done. Now they can just cruise or sail off into marriage bliss as if it's not going to take any work. Our relationship with Jesus can be similar. Where at that, at that moment that, that God calls us to saving faith, we can, we can go, okay, I'm in. I'm good. I've been saved by grace. God, I'll, 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 I'll see you later as I go live my life. However, unlike your spouse, the more you know God, the more you will love Him. And the more you love God, the more you will grow in obedience to Him. That, that's a, that is a, a trajectory that is guaranteed that the more you know him, it's guaranteed the more you'll love him. And the more you love him, I guarantee you that you're not going you, to be able to shut your mouth up about him. You're going to want to tell everybody you can about what you've seen and heard. I've got three questions for you this morning. For, for, for those that put their faith and trust in Jesus for their salvation, these are questions for you. Christian, are you growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you growing? Two, are you more resolved to live for him today than you were when you were called into faith? Are you more resolved to live life for Jesus today than you were when he called you to faith? And the third question is, is is this desire motivated by what has already been accomplished Is your desire to follow him motivated by what he has already done in your life? Some of you are are new to this church in the last few months, and uh, you've received a postcard from me. And on that postcard, I'm gonna, you know, it's like, I mean, a few of you that I've known, I've written some like really personal stuff, but most of you I hadn't met, and I just write you a postcard that pretty much I got a big stamp that looks like my writing, and I just stamp it on the back. No, I actually write it out. But it says something like this. It says, thank you for visiting Windsor Community Church. 
Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Our passion is that every person come to genuinely know the risen Christ, to grow in their knowing, and go tell others. And I'll ask a question typically. How can we serve or pray for you? So our passion here is that everybody know the risen Christ. And then after they come to know Jesus, that we would grow in our knowing. And that we would go tell others. You and I were made for relationship. We're made for relationship with our Creator. We're made for relationship with one another. We were made not just to know about God, but to know Him in the most intimate of relationships. In the New Testament, there is a Greek word for, for knowing that has the definite, it's, it's the most intimate type of knowing, and it is ginosko. Ginosko, it's the most intimate type of knowledge. In fact, it's a, the Hebrew idiom, it's, it's, it's intercourse. It's the most, it's the most um, intimate word that they could come up with, ginosko in, in Greek. And it means not just knowing about something, not just knowing about God, but knowing in a very personal kind of way. And there's another Greek word called oida, which is also New Testament, which means to have an intellectual knowledge or understanding of something. And our understanding of God typically starts in the mind, in the intellect, but it goes into the heart where we really know him and he knows us, as it says in Galatians 6. Listen to Jesus' high priestly prayer as he calls out to the Father before he, was, before he offered himself up. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Time for his death. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And get this, verse 3. And this is eternal life. What's eternal life? This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. You see, salvation comes not just by knowing about God, but knowing him in the most intimate way. And John said in 1 John 5.20, he says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. It's good to have understanding about who God is. But it doesn't save anybody. So that, the understanding is, so that we may know, ginosko him, who is true, and we are in him who is true, and his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. You see, folks, we were enemies of God. We were, every one of us, deserving of his wrath. We needed reconciliation, just like a broken marriage needs reconciliation. A broken, it needs a confession of sin and forgiveness. The only way for that to happen was, was, was the death of a perfect someone to take our place. And Jesus was that perfect someone. Romans 5, 9 through 11 says this, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. What does it mean to be justified? It means to be declared innocent. That God no longer sees your sin. He sees you through um, the shed blood of Jesus. And you are now innocent or justified if you put your faith in that. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, 
We also rejoice in our God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, it's faith in Jesus' sacrifice that provides the only payment or propitiation, big word, for our sin that allows us to enjoy a relationship with God that we were created for. His sacrifice not only paid for our sin so that we've not experienced God's wrath, but it also reconciled us into a relationship with the Father and that we're adopted into His forever family. Listen to this, Romans 8, 14 through 16. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That literally means Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Theological truth right here. God saved me by faith in Jesus Christ shed blood on the cross. He saved you. If you know Jesus Christ, you are saved by faith in Christ. Well, you will, you know, that's a big duh. But here it is. We grow together. We don't grow alone. We grow together in our relationship with Jesus, living in community with one another. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. We live in a culture that is completely independent. There's, there are statistics that say there's X percentage of America are professing Christians, and then there's another percentage that's lower that says that these Christians, these proclaiming Christians, only X percent are part of the local body. That should not be. God did not design Christians to live on their own. They, he designed, he talks about Christians as a body in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, that we're a body, we're members of one another. He talks in other places in, in Scripture that, that we're part of the same building with Christ at the, uh, as a cornerstone. So we're to live in community. In today's passage, Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25, author is speaking to Jewish believers who are in the midst of trials and are doubting God's love and care for them. And the author reminds them of the unlimited access to the Father they have that was purchased by Jesus' death and resurrection. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 19-21. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence or boldness, some of your versions say, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let's just stop right there for a minute. Before the new covenant was inaugurated, there was a what? There was an old covenant. And the new covenant was, was inaugurated by Jesus' death and resurrection. And in the Old Covenant, there was a priest who would go behind the curtain into what was called the Holy of Holies, where God resided, and he would sacrifice an animal to atone or to pay for the sins of God's people, to to hold back the wrath of God. And God's people only had had a surrogate to access the Father. They didn't have a personal relationship like we could. Were they saved? Absolutely. They were saved by faith like we're saved by faith. But they did not have access to the Father in the way that we have access to the Father. The common man could not experience this relationship with the living God. 
in the same way we experience it. The tearing of Jesus' flesh on the cross, which brought his death, simultaneously tore from top to bottom the curtain that had barred the way into the Holy of Holies. Look at Matthew 27, 51. I'm not going to read it, but go there sometime. Is where we're literally at the moment that Jesus took his last breath on the cross, the, the veil from top to bottom was split in half. And that was, that was a, a symbolism and a reality that because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection that we now have access to the Father, that we can confidently come before the throne of grace. All who trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins can walk confidently through the torn curtain of Christ into the presence of the Father and whom they now know and enjoy a personal relationship. So it was through the shed blood of Jesus, the spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice that was offered to absorb the wrath of God that we deserved. You and I deserved it. Every Christian, every human being, me at the front of that line, deserve the full wrath of God. To spend eternity separated from God. I'm at the front of that line. But because of God's grace, because of the sacrifice, that, and we put our faith in that sacrifice, we'll no longer receive God's wrath, but we'll receive relationship Our confidence is in nothing that we accomplished or earned, but in Jesus who provided the way of reconciliation so that we could have an eternal relationship with our Father. This is crazy to me. I know it's obvious to to some of you, but in this verse, it just just screamed out at me that, that, that Jesus was not only our offering, he laid his life down, but he's the he's the priest. He he sacrificed himself. He's both the offering and the offerer. Under the Old Covenant, God's instructions demanded that the Old Testament priest wear 12 stones on his breastplate. So when the priest would go behind the Holy of Holies and atone for the sins of the people, he had 12 stones on his breastplate. And those 12 stones represented the 12 tribes, God's people. And he would go in there um, um, representing those people. And the priest never rested. They stood daily. They offered these sacrifices repeatedly, the same sacrifices which could never take away sins. Talking about the definition of insanity? Continue the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But they were commanded to do it. It was a shadow of things to come. It was a picture of what Christ would do. And also significantly, there were no chairs in the tabernacle. There was no provision for them to sit down. Priests stood or kept moving because their imperfect work was never over. And some of us come from backgrounds, quite frankly, where there are still um, men who um, sit behind screens, um, scary screens, doing who knows what behind there. I'm thinking fantasy football. And you go and you say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been six weeks since I didn't make my bed. I'd say stuff like that. And they they give you three Hail Marys and uh, four burpees, and then you'd go off and do your thing. What does that do? That does nothing. On the other hand, we're reminded in Hebrews 10, 12 through 14 this. If you just go backwards in your Bible, if you have your Bible open, 10, 10 verses 12 through 14. Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. Then he sat down at the right hand of God. 
waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So now Jesus, our ultimate advocate and high priest, bears our names not just on stones on his chest, but but in his heart, in the very center of his being, for we are in him. Uh, Romans 6 says that if you know Jesus, you have been baptized into his death. You've been buried with him and you've been resurrected. The old is gone. The new has come. His work of saving us and giving us access is complete. He now rests. He didn't work. He sits at the right hand father. He rests and he reigns. After Jesus' single sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of God, the place of honor and power. And you know, this section of scripture is meant, was meant to make the ancient church and us today confidently point our ship into the high seas with strength and power. We are saved to not merely exist. We're not saved to just merely survive. Like the song says, it probably has some bones in it though, but, but truly we were saved to thrive. God came, he came to give us life and give it what? Abundantly. And that's in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not in a certain size bank account necessarily. It's not in a certain uh, type of relationship. It's in Jesus Christ. That's where the abundant, thriving life is found. So this, this period of not just surviving but thriving, from, from the moment that you said yes, that Jesus um, gave you faith in his um, in, in Jesus' finished work on the cross, from that moment that you came to saving faith until um, he takes you home and you're face-to-face with Jesus where there's going to be no more sin, no more suffering, no more death, that period of time, what's happening to you and I right there, what's happening there, some of it is happening faster than others, it's, it's slower for me for some reason, but it's called sanctification or transformation. It's, that, it's, it's this period of time where we're being um, conformed in the likeness of Christ. And you know what God's number one tool in his tool bag is for us being transformed and sanctified? It's trials. It's trials. Yet he tells us that we will have life and we'll have it abundantly. So if we're on this earth, in this gap between new life in Christ and one day we'll be, we'll be perfect with Christ, it's, it's sanctification, it's transformation. And, and evidence of a growing relationship with Jesus Christ is two things, and only two things. Increasing fruit, decreasing sin. Increasing fruit, decreasing sin. And, um, and we're to examine ourselves. I mean, there's, I mean there's, um, there's times where I go, you know, hey, I got some fruit. I mean, there are raisins and they're like falling on the floor everywhere, but that's, that's ultimately fruit. And, and we need other people. I need to be able to um, rub shoulders with Pat or John or Chris and, and people, my wife, people that know me the best. And, 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 and I want to invite their inspection in my life, actually, because they know me the best. Um, if you don't know me very well, you're not included on that list yet, so don't inspect me. 
You can inspect me if you want. Listen to, listen to um, Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, this transformation, this sanctification is the Spirit's work. The fruit of the Spirit that He's producing in us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm reading a book called The Quest for God by J.I. Packer, and it's about the Puritans' um, uh, desire to, to, um, to be godly, to have godly lives. And they talk a lot about the mortification of sin. We don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about the mortification of sin. We talk about grace, and we're going to talk about grace every Sunday because we're saved by grace. And actually, the more that we understand God's grace, it should motivate us to kill sin. It should motivate us to crucify sin. And I think about this journey that I'm on, and that we're all on, we're all at different stages in this journey, is that as I, um, as I look in the mirror sometimes, I go, wow, okay, yep, you are closer to death than you are life. You've got, I'm, and I look at my driver's license, I scroll through something when I'm like buying something online, it's, it, it starts, it, it, it you know, birth date 2005. If a if a, a was on, I got to like scroll down and like find. Wow. And then I got to call the help desk and say they don't have my birth year on there yet. Second Corinthians 4:16 says this: So we do not lose heart. So we do not lose heart, though the outer self is wasting away. No matter what's going on in your life, whether it be sickness, whether it be, whether it be old age, whatever's going on, that wherever you're at, even you youngsters up there, that the, that the outer self is wasting away. That at, at age 19, as beautiful as you guys are up there, 18, 19, is that Riley? You are beautiful. God is beautiful. You're not Riley. All right. Welcome back, though. <laughs> When did you come back? Uh, you guys excuse me for a sec here. Friday night. Friday night. Okay, welcome back. You. you look good. You got your feet on the railing though. Get them down. <laughs> <laughs> though our outer self is wasting away, your inner self is being renewed day by day. That's transformation. That's sanctification. That we're, we're all dying at some level. I don't mean to be a down on that, but there is an end to this life. And there's a goal to this life. And that goal is to know Jesus and to grow in that knowing. That's the sanctification or transformation. Our passion at WCC is that all people would come to know, genuinely know Jesus Christ, and to grow in their knowing and then go tell others. The Bible teaches that God is knowable. While God can never be exhaustively understood, He can be known truly, personally, sufficiently, and, and personally. Growing of our knowledge of God in Christ should be our greatest delight. It was Paul's primary goal. Paul said this. He said, that, he said I pray that I would know Him in the power of His resurrection. He knew Him in a salvation kind of way, but he, didn't, he wanted to know Him in a more intimate kind of way. And our knowing of Jesus Christ should always lead to loving God and loving others. Can I say this? I don't care how many Bible studies you're in. You might be in three Bible studies. You might be doing BSF six times a week, four different towns. 
Um, if you're not coming out of that with a greater love for Jesus Christ and a greater love for his people and a greater love for people that are perishing without the gospel, then what you're doing is you are getting a big, fat, puffed up head. And you need to ask God and say, God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's in my head. But would you help me get it down to my heart so that I can, under, so I can love you more and love your people more and love those who are perishing without the gospel. We can never know God absolutely and definitively and finally. But we can know things about Him that are absolutely true so much that we can be willing to live and die for those beliefs. Are you willing to live and die for what you believe in? God has provided knowledge of Himself that is personal, relational, and sufficient for fruitful, faithful, godly growth. There's nobody that can say that, I, that he lacked the necessary revelation to know God and start living for God. I've heard people say, and, and, I, and I know we're, um, and I'm going to cover this in a minute, but I've heard people say, yeah, where is God? I just, God just, God isn't there. And I say, whoop, there he is. I'm not sensing God's presence. There he is again. These are God's spoken words. This is God's revelation to us. These are God's word to us. Listen to, here's a, just a quick commercial. We're starting 2 Peter in two weeks. And the, 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 the title is going to be Remembering. Remembering. Because remembering what Christ has done, remembering who you are in Christ, remembering who you were before Christ is actually the secret and the power to growing in your knowing. It's the Spirit of God who brings growth, but He does it primarily through the Word of God. Listen to 2 Peter here. 2 Peter 1, verses 2-3. May the grace and peace be multiplied to you. Is there anybody that, in this room that does not want more grace and peace in their life? Liar. We all want more grace and peace in our life. Here's how it comes. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. May His divine power... His divine power has granted to us all things. What has He given us? All things that pertain to life and godliness. How did we get it? Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Our thoughts about God and ourselves are transformed as we renew our mind with God's Word. It's good to memorize Scripture. In fact, we need to do more of it as Christians. In this next Pastors Leadership Institute, they're going to be doing more of it. Of, of, of memorizing, and I'm going to do it along with them. But we had a, a pastor, Dwayne Jones, back in the early days of Windsor that would say, you can't rely on old bread. You can't rely on stale bread. You need to, you need to feed yourself with fresh bread. And it says in Romans 12, 2, that, that we're transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. That means changing our thoughts, Christians. If you're mired in sin, change your thought. Believe differently about God. Understand the lies of the enemy. Ask for help for, from brothers and sisters. But get in his word. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17 says this. All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God. Every word in here is God's inspired word. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete. I don't know about you. I want to be complete. 
I want to be complete in Christ and equipped for every good work. And now he gets to verses 22 through 25. He tells us how to grow in response to the confident access that we have to the Father and our great high priest. And he starts off by saying, let us. And if you are allowed to write in your Bibles, there's no better opportunity than now. That circle us in our, in verse 22. Let us draw near with a, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. We can draw near to Him with sincere hearts, fully assured that He hears our prayers and that He wants a relationship with us. And when I was, it was probably mean of me actually to say, when, when people say, hey, I don't, where's God when I need Him? To say, just look in the Bible. Because I know that we all have crisis moments. We all have crisis moments, but we, but we need each other. That's why we, we need to, to get in the Word. We need to be reminded that we're forgiven. We need to be reminded that we're justified, that we're declared innocent. He says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Faith is belief in God's promises. And how are we going to know God's promises without being in God's Word? And His promises are in turn grounded in His character. And as I was thinking about this, this really has to do with, with, with um, corporate, us approaching Him corporately. It's what we do on Sunday morning. It's what we do in community groups. It's really what we do when we're in fellowship with one another, guys and guys, gals and gals. We pray together. We sing praises together. We confess sin together. But you know what? Sometimes there are wounded people in our midst. There are wounded people that are having a hard time believing the truth. There are wounded people that we've got to, like I think in the, in the military times where there's war, we live in a wartime, this is not a cruise ship, this is a battleship, and that there's people that have been shot, they've been wounded by the enemy that we just got to drag into safety, into the, into the throne of grace. We've got to do that for one another. That's why it's a corporate endeavor. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. The marriages, for example, that profess Jesus Christ, that are living by themselves outside a community, almost bar none, I've seen them fail. You see, the enemy has a When we step outside the fold, the wolves can get us. And they can kill us. Also, I believe this has to do with confessing our sins to one another. That before, before we enter in, before we draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, sometimes we've got issues with one another. We've got, we can have issues with one another. And I know this, this happened in this church before, and it can happen again. Where, whether, where an issue would be with me or with somebody else, you've got issues going back and forth. That if, we're, if we're not forgiving one another, if we're not confessing our sins to one another, it's going to be hard to come before the throne of grace with full, full assurance. Look at verse 23. He says, let us, circle us, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he, promised, for, for he who promised is faithful. He urges us to persevere and not lose hope because God's promises could not fail. Verse 24, let us stir one another up. Let's provoke one another to love and good works. There are churches. There's churches in this town 
that have been a beacon of hope for, for people for years. And somehow the enemy took a foothold. And instead of provoking one another to love and good works or good deeds, they're provoking one another to anger and dissension and disunity. May it never be so. Would you pray for other churches in this community? Gospel-believing churches, that there would be unity. It says here we're to encourage or stir up or provoke one another towards love and good works. And as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, we're to show practical concern for one another, no matter the cost. And we're, we're to extend care to everyone, but especially to the household of faith. That's what it says in Galatians 6.10. Such care and encouragement is stimulated, it's motivated by meeting together. How do we know what the needs are for each other? Unless we're together. It's stimulated by meeting together, doing life with one another, being in proximity with each other. That's why these community groups are so vital. We live in a culture where, where we're just, it's just busy lives. They're just busy lives. And, it's, and that's just, it's a culture we live in. So as church leaders, we, we exegete the culture. We look at the culture. We can fight the culture, or we can exegete it and say, how do we enter it? So that we can lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Community groups are our solution to that. We see um, men and women meeting in the Bible like that, and, and community groups or life groups or gospel transformation groups, you're not going to see those words in the Bible, but it's, it's an environment that we have created so that we can have people meeting together, doing life with one another, being in proximity with each other. So the author of Hebrews, he rightly instructs us not to neglect to meet together as is the habit of son, some. And that's, he's not just talking Sunday morning. He's talking, he's talking together. Sunday morning, in many ways, is a launching pad. Community groups, in many ways, is a launching pad. It's a place where we come together to worship the king, to encourage one another. But it should drive us to do more life together. We need to be together to share our fears and our hopes, confess our sins, share our victories. We will need one another more and more, it says here, as the day approaches. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And here's a newsflash. It's not going to get better before. It's not going to get better. Okay? So um, there's no hope for this country getting better. This world getting better. I mean, it's, it's not one of those two candidates, that's for sure. But our hope is in Jesus Christ. And I don't say that as a downer. I, I say that as, as a reality. We, we have a life that is abundant in Jesus Christ. But we need to be together as the day draws near. If you show this slide of the three circles, Claire, and then we'll, we'll uh, finish up in just a few minutes. If you know Jesus... If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he wants you to spend the rest of your life on this earth growing in your knowing. And that growing in your knowing is called sanctification or transformation. And this transformation is by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the only one ultimately that can transform you. But it's through the Word of God. We've got to be in the Word for transformation. And it's in the context of the people of God. So I want to encourage you to be in a community group. 
Um, we've even said things like, you know, if, there's, if we've got a Bible study going on here, whether it be a woman's study or men's study or whatever, and you've got time for a community group or a Bible study, you've got time for one or the other. We'd love it if you could do both, actually. If you've got time for one or another, we'd rather see you in a community group. We'd rather see you in a community group. And, and we, just, we really, that's where, that's where life is going to happen. And if you pull that last slide, I want to show you this, this cheesy trellis that one day somebody created, like Chris Hsu, it's going to help me redesign. So it's a, but it tells a great story. Um, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a passion that every person know the risen Christ and that he grow, that we grow in our knowing, that we go tell others. And this is our, this is our growth discipleship making trellis. And our two pillars, we have two pillars. Without these two pillars, the trellis doesn't work. And pillar number one is, um, is the Sunday gathering. And pillar number two is community groups. And we'd encourage you, I'd encourage you to, um, if, if this is the church Christian that you want to grow in, that you want to grow in your knowing, that you're going to grow best to be a part of those two pillars. Um, if you're not able to for whatever reason, and there's some pretty legit reasons that I've heard, there's some, some that aren't very legit, but there's some legit that I've heard. Um, we're going to love you anyways. We're not going to boot you. We're going to love you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to serve you. Um, you can, you can uh, well, some places you can serve here. There's actually places that you can't serve here unless you're in a community group. Why? Because we want to know you, and we want you to know us. So those are our primary pillars. On, on, the, um, on the outside, these are, these are two supporting um, parts of the trellis, if you will, that hold, that hold the thing together. And we've got family ministries, which is men's and youth and women's ministry. And over here we get targeted equipping. Um, our, these are not less important, by the way. Um, what, let me just, just commercial. What's going on in women's ministry right now is like off the charts, like praise be to God. May his name be exalted. Um, and, and the gals that are leading it are just off the charts great. So, so we are grateful for that. But they know they know, even with the 80-some ladies that are involved in heart-to-heart and Monday night Bible study, that, that is, it is a, a supporting, a beautifully supporting um, ministry that hopefully will drive ladies into a deeper relationship, certainly with Jesus Christ and each other. And then uh, if, uh, up the middle here, all over the target equipping, those are like parenting seminars, um, financial, marriage, and just the looks of this place. Um, I think we're going to need a parenting seminar of sorts, or just join the Livingstones group. They've got a parenting study that's starting. Um, when do you guys start? October 2nd? Right on. And that'll be, that'll be a parenting study. Many of you need it, so check in there. Uh, the, um, actually, I'm, I think y'all, no, actually, that's a lie. You don't. Okay. So right up the middle, um, we have a, a connect luncheon that is, we do this every month and a half. If you're new to the church, you want to know more about our heartbeat, you want to meet the pastors and the wives, um, come to lunch and uh, it'll be advertised here in the next couple of weeks, probably middle to end of October. We'll have that. Um, Biblical Foundations, if you are new to the faith, Gary talked about this, but I want to really put a plug in for this. If you are new and you feel like, yeah, I've put my faith in Jesus shed blood, but I don't really know what to do next. Go to the Biblical Foundations class. And if you are um, exploring the Christian faith, if you go, no, I, I have a knowledge of God, but I don't have an intimate relationship, this is a good place to plug in foundations. Distinctives. It's a 10-week class that uh, Pastor John teaches, and it'll be, um, it'll be next door, God willing, um, in the office area. And it, it talks about the theological distinctives of our church that might be different than the church down the street. Not better, 
not worse, just different. We just want you to know what it is that we, what we believe here. Things on, on uh, the role of the Holy Spirit and men's and women's roles and uh, plurality of leaders and that type of thing. And then um, life transformation groups. Our desire is, is that, um, ladies and gentlemen, that you'd be meeting together, that men meet together and women meet together in smaller groups and community groups to really um, to pray together, to, to hold one another up, to do these three lettuces from uh, verse 22 to 25, and to pray for the lost, to confess sin together. And, um, and this is called one-on-one Bible reading. It's a, it's a simple guide for every Christian. It's, a, it's, very, it's very basic, and as, as John said in his um, community group promo, it's just, it's just a guide to, to bring some continuity on, on how, to, how to study the Word together. Um, and let's see, what else? I think that's it. Any questions? No, you can get me later. Um, one thing I didn't say is that our goal is not to grow this church. It might sound weird to some of you. That's not our goal. Um, this church has grown. The church has grown 50% since a year ago in numbers. Most of it's by delivery. But no, it's... <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, I mean, God is building His church here. And we're grateful because He's, um, he's bringing in body parts. He's bringing in body parts that, um, that are already playing a huge role in the future of this church. And our desire is that we not just serve one another. Yes, we need to serve each other. But that we would be a beacon of hope in this community. That people would see us loving on one another and encouraging one another. And they'd want to know more about that. They'd want to know more about that. And if you're here today... And you go, you know, I, I've known about God all my life. I, you know, I know this God thing. But, but, um, but I want to know more about what it means to put, have a relationship, a personal relationship. Talk to whoever invited you or, or talk to me or one of the other pastors or our wives, and we'd love to, love to chat with you. Pray with me, please. God, we bless you. And uh, we uh, praise you. And we give you all the glory and honor. And, uh, Lord, you've... Uh, You've brought a lot of gentle conviction to my heart here the last few days, as um, really the last few weeks, Lord, as I um, yeah, just as I have not been uh, walking in the spirit on a daily basis, where I've been relying on my uh, on my flesh, on my own strengths, rather than uh, dying to self and trusting in you for everything. And Lord, I thank you that this is your church. And this church is not this building. But your church are these dear brothers and sisters whom you purchased, Lord Jesus, by your shed blood. This church, Father, is your sons and daughters in whom you adopted. And this church, Holy Spirit, are those same people whom you quickened by the Holy Spirit and whom you gave a heart of flesh not a heart of stone. And I pray, Lord, that we would um, be encouraged. I, God, I, I pray for more community group leaders. I pray for men and women who want to invest in the lives of others. And I pray, God, if you'd be so kind. Um, we're, not, we're not fretting. We're not anxious. Uh, Lord, you build this church on your own timing. Uh, but Lord, we, as you bring people in, we are, we are zealous uh, to see them grow in their knowing. And we know it takes more laborers. So God, um, please, if you'd be so kind, uh, continue to raise up laborers um, from the harvest 
and for the harvest. And God's people said...